Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Back here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Fantasy Sports Today. Dan Strapper, Mike Blewett with you on this Saturday morning. Thanks so much for joining us April the 6th. Reminder that I need to get my taxes done, but that's... I got nine days. Everything's fine. Everything's fine, Mike, right? (laughs) If you haven't started, uh, I suggest you get a move on. I had to do my... uh... I had to walk the plank into the accountant's office last Saturday, so uh, I feel like we're uh, slightly ahead of pace. Yep. Um, had an accountant. They never called me back. Now scrambling <laughs> to find a new one. Fantastic. Good times. Yeah, called twice, left their message, nothing. Fantastic. Uh, but we'll get to that. There, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'll pay. I'm going to be paying, so it's fine. Yeah. When, when you know you're going to be paying, it's that slow... Slow right. turn to procrastination <laughs> becomes your best friend. Exactly. So then April fifteenth, I there were multiple times when you when I was still mailing the return before you know using whatever online sure. TurboTax HR block whoever. Um, I remember rolling up to the post office with someone standing outside with a box, a postal worker sta- to clarify a postal worker standing outside with a box just collecting as people drove up they just dropped them in the box. And it was uh, 10.59 on April 15th. And so from 11 through to midnight, they postmark all of them and then send them. So that you you had till 11 o'clock day of to do it. And I did it three separate times. So that explains to all of you how long I would wait to do my taxes. <laughs> Your preparation is, in, impre- is impeccable. So if anyone, uh, future employers listening, that's not how I approach work. Just taxes. Well. Taxes. <laughs> hey, let me have this fantasy here. <laughs> that is two separate things. But I do want to talk about someone who uh, prepares very well for his job, and that's Russell Westbrook. And uh, Westbrook, again, this year, Mike, triple-double. Yes, sir. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, and this is a guy who plenty can be said about. And we've seen a number of players leave the Oklahoma City Thunder and become better. Uh, you look at, obviously, James Harden, but you have... Uh, uh, the uh, Victor Oladipo leaving the Thunder, going to the Pacers, all of a sudden becoming a you know, top 20 player before his injury. Um, Serge Ibaka getting better after leaving. Westbrook's a ball-dominant player, but I think this season is even more impressive because how good Paul George has been, right? Like, Paul George has been one of the best players in the league, and I think, honestly, an MVP candidate if you can separate out what Westbrook's doing on the same team. Um do you take this season a little differently because of how good George has been alongside? And listen, I know Durant was there, and I know they were both good at the same time. But do you see that differently, or is this just Westbrook being how talented he is and, and having the ball in his hands at all times? He's a really <clears throat> unique player, right? He's as athletic a player as we've ever seen in the league. Um and he's put up these amazing stats, another seasonal triple-double, the 2020 game the other night. It's the only other guy in NBA history other than Will Chamberlain to do it. So the problem is that in the playoffs, when we see his teammates not not knowing when they're going to get involved yep, and them having a lot of late-game issues – they have late game issues, regular season, postseason. When Russ isn't totally dominating the game and they're blowing people out, there's some late game issues with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Paul George could conceivably help that. But it's really only going to get proved in the playoffs because watching them go and grab another seven seed doesn't impress anybody, right? I mean, the Warriors have 55 wins this year. They're going to finish with, you know, Let's call it 57. I, I, I don't 
I don't know who they're playing. I'm not looking at their schedule right now. But 46 wins, and let's say they get to 48, isn't that far off. So I'm not putting it all on Russ because there's other guys that need to compete. And somebody might tell me, hey, man, what else do you want him to do? Right. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but this dynamic isn't working for the team to be successful. So I'm not saying you get rid of him. And I'm not saying you don't. You just add other pieces. But does he need to change his style of play to get more people involved so that these late-game issues don't happen when people just expect him to um, ball, ball dominate? I don't know. It's, it's, it's a hard question it, to answer. But clearly he's not working the way they want it to do. Well, what I think is that much more intriguing about Westbrook as compared to a Durant or a James Harden in how he plays the game, and I guess Giannis falls into this to a certain extent, is if the lane isn't there for Westbrook for one reason or another, he's just not a good enough outside shooter. He's right. just he's not somebody who can at least compete from out there. Now, he's not Ben Simmons. Like he's not, not somebody who can't shoot from Nobody outside is. at all. But <laughs> Except for Markel Fultz. But um, the issue for Westbrook is that he can't change his game, right? He can't become an outside shooter in a game, whereas a Harden can get to the free throw line 20 times or take 15 three-pointers and can dominate a game that way. Westbrook can't. Paul George can. Like, Paul George is that guy, and I think you're right to, to look at the playoffs this year. Can they address those changes? Can they make the actual cognizant decisions, conscious de- decisions, on where the offensive flow happens in late game situations to make sure that it's not Westbrook, you know, holding the ball for 15, 20 seconds in the shot clock and then trying to create something down the stretch. I'm, I am so intrigued by the individual performances that we can see in the playoffs between Giannis with Milwaukee. Can he do it in the playoffs? We've seen him. I, I believe he's the MVP this year. I don't know that that's that controversial. I know some will point to James Harden, what he's been able to do from a scoring perspective, carrying the team. Uh, it's when those two guys. Out, it has to be. Um, beyond that, I think I, I do think Paul George is an intriguing part of the discussion. I don't know that he is cracking any top two votes, but I'd have him in the mix there as well. Um, and I think you get some talk about a Jokic at times. You get some talk of some other pieces therein, but... I am really, really intrigued by what we get individually from some of these guys. Can Giannis do it? Can Westbrook do it? Can James Harden carry the Rockets to as far as they can go? He How really did the- carry them through his tough stretch when they were injured. Absolutely. Harden just went crazy, and he had a streak of 30-point games. So I take all that into account, and I would still vote for Giannis. Yeah, Gian- Giannis has just been such a awesome player to watch this year. Like, you know when the last time the Bucks had the best record in the league? Never? Guess the year. Oh, or what, Lou Alcindor? Yeah, 1974. Yeah. 1974. Was that still Kareem? Was Kareem still there or no? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, he was still there. So, it's a long time. It's 45 years, and he's the guy that really helped them do it. They're a little banged up now. They have a really good, well-rounded team beyond Giannis. It's not dominant, obviously. We're not sure that the Bucks are going to come out of the East, but, you know, I'd like to see it. I would like to see Giannis in the finals, but, you know, if we can get a good Giannis-Kawhi standoff at some point, I, I do think the East Conference playoffs, the East is good this year. Like, I I, I'm, I wasn't ruining the Celts. I'm just saying they didn't play up to expectations. It doesn't take a genius to tell you that, but... I'm excited for the East Conference playoffs, which hasn't been the case for a while. There's a lot of last year was fun to watch, and this year these teams are really competitive. The Pacers somehow haven't fallen apart since a Depot injury. I give them credit for that. But those top four teams, if we can get a Bucks Celts again, uh, Raptors Sixers playoff series, I think that'd be exciting, and we wouldn't know who's going to win any of those right now. I uh, will take a look here quickly just at uh, some lineup notes. I know that, what did they run out last night? Bledsoe, Lopez, Sterling Brown, Middleton, and, and Giannis uh, for the Bucks. That is not something that necessarily warms my heart from a <laughs> team to make a run in the playoffs. Anything with Brooke Lopez in the NBA kind of scares me off, but he's been good for them. And I think this is a very intriguing mix with Ilya Silver and Mirotic if they're healthy 
for a bench that can make a difference. Some of these teams don't have as deep a bench as the Bucks have. And so we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that as the playoffs unfold and as we move through. I also really am intrigued by what the 76ers do here. Now, the reason being... You see Giannis' is brought in Jimmy on Thursday night, by the way? I did not. 45, well, 40, and 6. Oh, yeah, that was against the 76ers, right? The, yeah. And Embiid's stat line was crazy, in too, Philly. in that one. Yeah. Um, he's, he's good. He's really good. And for those of you who don't know, I, I am a fanboy of Giannis. I don't know if people have seen the stories outside of the game, but this is why I want the guy to be the story. There's a video circulating of a young fan... Um, maybe it was Bleacher Report or SB Nation or one of those sites shared it, um, the score, one of them, uh, of Giannis at an autograph signing. And a, a little girl, I'd say probably 10 to 12 years old, maybe even younger, maybe eight, walked up and handed him a portfolio of drawings that she had done of him. And he had such a genuine reaction. Got up from behind the table, came around and hugged her, looked through each picture, thanked her for them. And was just such a genuinely decent person. And I know that shouldn't be the exception. That shouldn't be necessarily celebrated because of athletes. And I, and we get a weird perception of, oh, they acted nicely. That's great. They're an amazing human being. Well, no, they acted like a, a normal human being. But there are just those stories over and over again about him. Just over and over again. When he was a rookie, there's a story of that he didn't buy a car yet and didn't have a license so he walked home to his apartment from the arena, and it was about three miles or something. And someone stopped to see if he needed a ride, not knowing who he was. Like, just, hey, dude, do you need a ride? And got in. They talked to the whole ride. And as he got out, they realized. And he said, all right, see you later. And just had a normal conversation. Wasn't, oh, yeah, give me a ride. I'm Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm in the NBA. You got to, you know, drive me home. No, just had a normal conversation with another human being. I, I love the guy. And I hope the NBA gets to have him shine here in the playoffs because I think he'd be a great, great storyline here. Um, not that, you know, the Steph Curry's and James Harden's and the Durant's aren't fun stories to talk about. Uh, but I think Giannis is one of those guys, kind of the Mike Trout uh, to me of the NBA, where he's just so good. Um, but not everyone knows how good he is and how good a person he is. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I hope they make a run. Sure. Uh yeah, Dan. What one thing I would say is that what's interesting about what you're talking about, and I do find it to be likable. And I've seen 60 Minutes do the story about him, where he came from, and it seems nearly impossible that somebody from that area of the world would be able to build themselves into a professional basketball player. Now, obviously, his physical stature and ability is uh, extremely unique, to say the least. But what's also interesting is that stories are being written about how he's not buddy buddy with uh, other NBA players, you know, in, a, in an era where guys have created these syndicates to go leave together. Like we're taught, you were just talking earlier about Durant and Kyrie getting together to meet up in New York. And we had the banana boat crew. Giannis is old school. He's like, I, I don't really want to be friends with those guys. I, I have to play against them, and I don't care that we have the same agent. And is some people are being critical of it, but I think it's interesting that he's like that. I think that's a great point, and I wonder also. And this is complete, you know, question on on my part, not really an assert, uh, an assertion. But I wonder if it has to do with not growing up in AAU, not growing up in travel and AAU basketball, and the like here in the States where a lot of these guys got to know each other. A lot of these guys I'm played sure together sure. when they were, and, and maybe a little bit of a competitive streak, as you said, an old school mentality of, I, I want to go out there and compete. I don't need to be friends with these guys. I, I need to play against them. But a lot of these guys are playing at the age of 12, 13, 14, 15 with each other, then go to the private, you know, schools, the, the St. Ben's and, and the like in New Jersey and the, uh, what's, uh, where did, where did LeBron go? Um, uh, St. Mary's, St. Patrick's, or St. Patrick's, yep. St. Mary's. And then you have uh, the school where Carmelo went, the in Virginia, the basketball factory down there. Oak so Hill, a lot of these Oak, guys, Oak Hill Academy. Oak Hill. Yeah, Oak Hill. Like a lot of these guys play together. So I, I wonder if foreign players don't have that. I, I wonder what Doncic is like. I guess would be a, a similar comparison. I know Doncic has the connection with some of the other European players and and. Uh, Giannis may be a one-off simply because of where he came from and how he came to be uh, the Greek freak, if you want to use that term. But it is a good point. 
of his storyline and exactly how um, he will be. I wonder what the Bucks do from a contract extension standpoint, but he's going to make a lot of money no matter where he is long term um, as his career goes on. Still young, still uh, still learning the game as as he adds three pointers to his game. I don't see how he's not top three MVP every year just because he's going to have that dominant an opportunity here as we roll forward. If you had to choose now and we're looking at the Eastern and Western conferences, who do you have coming out of the East uh, as your, your Eastern conference finals winner and your uh, representative in the NBA championship round uh, for this season? I think that you'll end up seeing I'm just trying to think when do when would the say the Rockets stay in the three seed, would they end up playing? Yeah, the Warriors could play the Rockets in this Western Conference semis. So I'll go with that, and I'll say Bucks Sixers uh, face off um, in in the Eastern Conference Finals, and that will get really interesting because right now I, I would like to say that the Bucks make it. But I think the Bucks play the Sixers. I think the Sixers would do it. I think the Sixers they're, would do it if they if they play the Bucks. Like I just like the Sixers kind of matchups there. Yep, I would you agree with that. I mean? Embiid. Embiid is there. Embiid yep. is there to. Now I can't even say he neutralized them because they played a couple of nights ago and Giannis put up forty five and they won by six on the road. So. But in a seven-game series where you're you're constantly tweaking and making adjustments, I, I think there's a possibility that the Sixers can take that series, um, and then the Warriors. I'm not going to bet against the Warriors. I think the Warriors are going to take it this year. I'm not, you know, I, I know how heavy the odds are in their favorite, and I think the Vegas odds makers have it right. So, uh, so that that's what I'll go with at this moment. I, I reserve my right to change my change my decision one week from now. Oh, I think that is uh, more than reasonable here. And as uh, Mike was just saying, I think the Warriors right now are uh, four out of nine, four over nine for winning the championship, minus 225. Um, and then the next closest is six to one, which I believe is the Bucks. So you, you do have odds that are in the Bucks' favor, but I'm, I'm of the mind that it's the 76ers in the East, and I think it's the Warriors in the West. I don't know what Jimmy Butler will do in the playoffs, but uh, as long as he doesn't break them, I think uh, they'll make the run here. We're going to come back on the other side and check in on the National Football League. Some more Josh Rosen talk, top pick in the NFL draft talk, and some free agent moves for the Dallas Cowboys. Back with more after this on Fantasy Sports Today. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. If I get drunk, well, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who gets drunk next to you. And if I heave up, yeah, I know I'm going to be, I'm going to be the man who's heaving to you. But I would walk I would walk 500 miles and I would. We're back here on the Fantasy Sports Day. Dan Trevor, Mike Fluitt. Mike, what does haver mean? All right, fine. Don't have to answer. Dan Trevor, Mike Blewett with you. What was that? What does what mean? Haver. If I haver, haver that's in the song. I, I, I've i always sung the lyric. Are you I just sure that that's the to word? Look. Yeah, it's, they're Scottish. It's fine. I guess. It's fine. I, I yeah, it's no Haver. I'll, I'll look it up. Okay, I'll do that. Haver. Haver, haver means talk foolishly, babble in Scottish. There you go. Oh, there you if go. I haver. Now I know. Now, now our audience knows. If I haver, there you go. All right. If I babble, I do that a lot here on this show. So I'm havering right now. See how this works out. We're educating the masses and myself all at the same time. I will try not to haver anymore as we turn towards 
the National Football League. Learn something new every day. I love this show. Uh, let's talk about Josh Rosen. We were talking about him at the top of the show a bit and made the mention that I still feel as though, and I am not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not somebody who, well, I enjoy them. I don't believe them, but I enjoy reading, you know, the, the JFK stuff and, and all of the, the moon landing conspiracies out there just because they're, they're nutso. But I'm not somebody who's like, oh, you know, uh, this is all smokescreen for whatever. But I feel like this could be a smokescreen with the, the Cardinals talking about all these deals. But with that in mind, or, or maybe putting that to the side, if Josh Rosen is on the block, Mike, and if Josh Rosen is available, we've talked about this many times over on this show, there's reports out that at least two trade offers have been made to the Cardinals that are actionable, that they can make and, and move Josh Rosen to specific teams. You'd have to assume Washington. one of them is the Washington Red. Yeah, has to be, right? Has yeah. to be. Has to be. Has to be. Who do you peg as the other? For the Giants. Should you be think? One of you think it's the Giants? I don't think it should be them. I think the Giants, this would be the first, if they are holding back from these kind from on the information, which Gettleman seems to think he's got no leaks in his ship, Yep. but he's creating, yet he's creating leaks in his own ship. So it would have to be, it makes the most sense. Eli can still be on the team. Very high second round pick or the number seventeen pick. You just negotiate that, and you've moved on. What I don't know, and I've said this about the Giants before, is they have to have their grades in line from all the guys from last year and all the guys from this year, right. and looking forward to next year. Now, if they don't really like Rosen, then I wouldn't push them to do it. I'm just saying that to me, it makes sense. You now have three new offensive linemen. One of them is a rookie and two veterans in Zeitler and Solder. You have a running back in in Saquon Barkley. You have now three weapons, which are good. They used to be amazing. Now they're good with Tate, Shepard, and Ingram. I think you can afford that 17 pick or that 30, what's the number? It would be 38 pick, 39 pick, whatever. I think you can afford that for Josh Rosen yep. if you graded him accordingly. But if you have Daniel Jones rated higher than him or Drew Locke or Dwayne Haskins or whomever, then just take that guy. I, you know, that's all I'm saying. I'm just saying that that plan works out really easily for the Giants now. It's why I wouldn't have dealt Odell because I would have thought you could get Rosen for that high number two pick. That would have, That's what I think the price would be. But maybe Arizona's pushing higher, and maybe the Giants needed that 17 pick to get Rosen. I still think you just want Odell there, but that's me. Right. If you're if you're making a move for a quarterback, and you have like it's they're just wasting Saquon. Like that's what this comes down to. You're, you're wasting yeah. if if you want to argue that Saquon Barkley was still the right pick, and there are people who say Pat, drafting a running back that high isn't smart. Quarterbacks and, and offensive linemen drive the league. Um, along with defensive rushers, you know, end rushers are, are pretty popular. And, and we'll talk about one in a few moments, but they're just wasting Saquon Barkley now. And and you're, you're going to be two more years into his career or two full years into his career. You're going to then be a third when you're still rebuilding. If you draft a quarterback this year, there have been discussions that Eli might be signed again for 2020, I know, which is absurd. And you're just wasting his time. Probably. Player. Which means they may not be looking at a quarterback right now uh, right. Uh, from any direction, which is insane. But I'll say this. If Josh Rosen comes here to New York and he's got what he's got in front of him and he's not successful, then both Shermer and Gettleman can and should be fired. Yep. Because that, that, that talent on the offense is good enough to make it highly functioning. I think Golden Tate's a good player. There's some stats that don't reflect well upon him, but I think Golden Tate's a good player and a good possession receiver. You have Saquon Barkley. You have three capable offensive linemen, and then you can draft another one. You have Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram. That's a good set of weapons if Rosen's capable or whomever is capable. But 
you know, if they want to throw Eli out there while Josh Rosen or Dwayne Haskins or Daniel Jones sits, then be my guest. Like I, I, I it's okay, by the way, if Eli plays for a few games as a rookie is trying to figure it out. Rosen's got experience under his belt. He should be able to come yep. in and play right away. Yeah, and remember, Shermer's known for quarterbacks, right? Like, it's, like it's not, yes, like that's the crazy thing here is, and and the He's an offensive uh, guy, right? I I love the idea of Josh Rosen going to the Giants, and I wonder if that you made the point of the seventeen to get him. I know a couple of articles pointing to the Cardinals trying to save face by getting a, at least a one back. Uh, maybe not a high one, but at least get a, a first-round pick back in some form to show their fan base, oh, we didn't screw up last year, we just really love Kyle Murray. Kyler Murray. Uh, as we go into this draft, he plays well it's on his offense. It's all sunk cost now, though, man. Right. It's Absolutely. all sunk cost. Absolutely. If you're just going to take Kyler, then take whatever you can get. And I'm not saying you just take a fourth-rounder, but take the high second. If you can't get a first, then take the high second. Right. And you, it. Yeah. But it would be so Cardinals to keep Rosen on the roster going to the draft. Like <laughs> to, to fall on. <laughs> like just draft yeah. Murray anyway and have Rosen on the roster and then try to figure it out. Well, let's say, let's say there's another team though. Let's say there's another team. You got Washington and, and the other team isn't the Giants. Who would you guess it is? It isn't Miami. I don't think they're that, making that offer. That's that's where I the the one team that stands out as needing a long term solution at quarterback most of all. Um you know, you could talk about era parents in some place. Uh, talking about in New Orleans, they have Teddy Bridgewater right now, so you don't see that. Denver, uh, you ha- Denver's a, yeah, that's actually a good point. I always forget about Denver when it comes to talking about quarterbacks. Denver, yeah. Cincinnati, those are teams. Well, they're that have hyping to be up long term. They're hyping up Andy Dalton returning to form in 2019, so that that'll be fun to watch. But um, I yeah, you're probably right. Denver, I, I would say probably ranking them. It would be Denver would be up there too with Washington Giants Miami. You're right, they're tanking. You know that like this is yeah. what they're doing this year. Uh, they have Fitzpatrick, yeah. and that'll be fun probably for about three games where he goes nuts. Denver's more likely to have made an offer to Arizona than Miami is, in my opinion. I think you're spot on there. I think that that's right. I, I think that thinking about it now is is the right analysis. So. Those are the teams that could be making a move for Rosen. We still, ha- I think the jury still needs to be out on whether or not Rosen can play in this league situation there in Arizona was just so bad with the offensive line, with the skills players, with everything around him being an absolute mess. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. Also keep an eye on what smoke we start to see from Arizona as the draft draws near, what's it, the 24th and 25th or somewhere in that time frame when the draft uh, kicks off simply because once the draft begins, obviously their leverage is out the window. So their hope is that to your point, Mike, these teams are doing the the due diligence of comparing this year's quarterback draft class, next year's quarterback draft class and, and last year's and saying, okay, Josh Rosen grades out as the best available this year and the best available next year. So let's make a trade for him rather than drafting a Haskins or a lock or, or whomever it may be. Once the draft starts, that's all out the, out the window. Uh, if they draft yeah. Calamar overall, you, you then have other teams go, Oh, well you're, you know, you're, you need to make a move. You need to, to trade Rosen. You're not going to keep both of these yeah. guys and move yeah. in there. You're stuck at that point. So 18 days, they basically have to make these deals. Uh, as of this moment, from everything I've read and listened to, I would just assume that Kyler's going number one and Rosen is going to be dealt. It's just the way I'm looking at it. I assume that's what's going to happen. It could be Washington. I would put them as the favorites to get Rosen because they really are. They have five quarterbacks on the roster right now, that include including Alex Smith. And as the adage goes, if you got, you know, in this instance, if you got five, you've got none. So guys like Mark Sanchez and Colt McCoy and Josh Johnson and others on the roster aren't really going to solve any issues from Case Keenum on the roster there as well. So uh, they need a long-term solution. Josh Rosen can cut through all of that, and you can just roster Case Keenum and Rosen and one other guy and move on. Um, And Jay Gruden working with Josh Rosen seems to be a pretty good match for me. Again, if – 
people are believers and rose and there's always, you know, the stuff creeping up that were question marks about him before the draft are happening again. I don't think they're fair to him. I thought he was put in a position to fail last year, but a change of pace would probably be good for him at this point. That team was miserable. They're trying to turn the page and it seems like Kyler is their guy. So uh, at this point, I would guess that he's on another team and, and teams are moving on. Elway does have some fascination apparently with Drew Locke. So he's had fascination with other guys too that didn't work out. So that's it. I, I will say that, and I, I mentioned this to you before the show, we are filming a mock draft on Thursday yes. night. So you'll see the content probably launch on Friday. So six days from today, it'll be myself, Joe Lisi, uh, Rich Sermonello. We may bring a couple of guys in via Skype, but we're going to do a first round mock draft. We'll talk about other players in addition to the ones that we are drafting. But last year we had a lot of fun with it. And uh, as we got started this year, uh, there's been some interesting picks to start. Let's just say that the first quarterback, the second quarterback drafted went to a place where I wouldn't have suspected he would go. So that's your tease, and you'll get to see it probably next uh, Thursday night or Friday morning. Speaking of, and look forward to that, uh, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, one of the more intriguing storylines to pop up here uh, in the month of March and April, uh, months to be more grammatically correct, uh, heading up to the draft is Russell Wilson. And uh, we have some different stories to cover here over the next couple of segments. I want to move this one ahead. We'll talk to Marcus Lawrence and the Cowboys in the next segment and probably carry over this Russell Wilson talk, to be quite honest. But Russell Wilson throwing out an ultimatum, you know, throwing out a, a deadline date of April 15th. I'm talking about tax day again. We can remind Dan again that he has to do his taxes. But um Russell Wilson has said that he is looking for a contract extension by April 15th. He only has one year left on his current deal. This is a quarterback-driven league. Russell Wilson has shown himself to be a linchpin in that offense, even though they didn't go to him as much as they should have in in that final playoff game against Dallas. Um, But one, does Russell Wilson deserve to be the highest-paid player in the NFL? Does he deserve to be the highest-paid quarterback? That aside... Can the Seahawks screw around here? Is this a franchise that has an opportunity to, to play hardball with Wilson? Or is this just a situation with Seattle and their identity and, and how this team has been built that they're going to have to give in to the demand for a new contract? I think there's been some decisions from them lately which lead you to believe that they knew this day was coming. Um, you hear stuff get thrown out there about you know, the Giants trading their entire draft for Russell Wilson or uh, little stories like that. I think that's a little bit of subterfuge to borrow a line from my buddy, George Hertz. So I just think there's people planning stories like that. I think they know they're going to have to pay him. Uh, The player that's the highest paid player isn't always the best. It's just a matter of when it comes up. Matt Ryan has been a really great quarterback, but you know, you wouldn't necessarily rank him as number one on the career earnings list, but he, he is right now, or he will be. So it's just really all timing, whether it's Demarcus Lawrence or Russell Wilson or whomever. Now, is this upcoming year, the 2019 season, Russ's last year on the deal, or is the 2020 season the last year? I believe he has one year left on his contract. Let me get the exact read here. Uh, let me check. Uh, the April 15th deadline seems arbitrary. Makes Wilson... I think this is his last season. So it's next year that he'll be a free agent. So if I'm him, I'm throwing down that ultimatum too. I don't want to be a lame duck football player. It's insane. It really is insane for somebody that's done what he did. Yeah, he signed a four-year contract extension in 2015. So the 15, 16, 17, 18. uh, Yeah, that's right. This is the last year. So I don't blame him. I really don't. A, a base uh, salary of $17 million here in 2019, $6.2 million signing bonus, restructure $2.0 million, cap hit of $25 million for Russell Wilson, dead cap of $8.2 million. Now he's not getting cut. Yeah. We know that much. But um, he's 30 years old, and this is a quarterback league, and I recognize that. Are you investing a certain number of years? Are you comfortable giving him 
a, a ton of years here just because we've seen the Tom Brady's and Drew Brees's continue on? Or do you have some concern over someone like Russell Wilson who does get outside the pocket a little bit more and is taking more hits in his career? Yeah, but he doesn't get hurt. It, That's true. It's, it's all fair, but he doesn't. He has a unique ability, extremely unique ability, to be versatile and mobile, and he didn't run as much this past season. But he has that ability and still avoid contact. He's just a really good all-around athlete. Um, I think he's proven his ability over time that he is a legitimate passer. He's a winning quarterback. He's out there every week. Um, he doesn't miss games. So, yeah, I would feel comfortable doing it. Now, they, you know, they, they banded around with the Frank Clark thing where they franchised him and were they going to deal him. So they are looking for ways to avoid paying money to other players, and it's likely because they knew that this day was coming. That's a great point of reading the tea leaves a little bit about how they've gone about their secondary and how they've gone about different players on this roster, probably preparing for this exact moment with Russell Wilson, the face of that franchise for sure. So doubt he's going anywhere, but a throwing down of the gauntlet a little bit here by Russell Wilson is trying to get this contract extension done. Dan Trapper, Mike Blewett, we're going to come back on the other side, talk a little bit more NFL and some quarterback relationships with their head coach. Back more after this. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. While your attention is focused on the start of the MLB season and this weekend's college basketball Final Four, NFL teams are focusing on the upcoming 2019 NFL Draft. And for serious fantasy football players, it's never too early to start preparing for the 2019 season. Roto Experts has you covered with their NFL 365 fantasy football package, including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the Internet. Davis, Maddock, and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty, season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package only at rotoexperts.com. Now, Mike, closing out uh, this hour, wanted to take a look at uh, the big story that broke during the week about Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. Now, I don't think it's speaking out of turn or or speaking too boldly here that Aaron Rodgers is a personality unto himself. We've heard enough uh, stories about his family relationships, his personal relationships that mean nothing for the football field. Like, mean for me watching him play, that I, I could you know, whatever. It is what it is. I couldn't care less. But we see this story come out from the Bleach Report, their magazine, from Tyler Dunn, about how bad the relationship between McCarthy and Rodgers ended up being down the stretch for the Green Bay Packers. Now, this has been pointed to by many people as a missed dynasty. You have the best quarterback in the league, and again, I mean that from a talent perspective. Yes, Tom Brady is whatever you want to call him, but potentially the best quarterback in the league, an offensive genius under center, um, somebody who does things that other quarterbacks can't necessarily do. Maybe one or two can do uh, some of it. But Aaron Rodgers is a talent that has been largely, from my opinion, wasted, and now it's coming out that it's believed to be because Mike McCarthy was a mess. That Mike McCarthy tuned out, uh, that he checked out and went to massages rather than film study. This story is crazy. Uh, when you read the it in its entirety, again, it is BleacherReport.com, Tyler Dunn. It's called What Happened in Green Bay, and I would suggest reading it. It's a really good read. But overall, one, are you surprised that this comes out now, McCarthy gone, and are you of the mind that this frees Rodgers to have a huge year, or is there more to this story than maybe we're getting from this specific uh, write-up by Tyler Dunn? 
Well, I, you know, I've also read some follow-ups to it as well. And somebody like James Jones, who was in the building, uh, thought some of that stuff was crazy. And it, he was text says he was texting with teammates that said, you know, where was this? I, did any of you see any of this stuff going on? Now, I do think there was a breakdown in the relationship. And I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is – I don't think he's an easy guy. Do you know right. what I mean? I think – I think much like some superstars are, he can be a little prickly to be around. I think general, generally he's probably an okay guy to be around, but I think he wants things to be his way. He plays with a chip on his shoulder. So does Tom Brady, but Brady's kind of beloved by his teammates. I don't think you get the universal um, support uh, in the Green Bay side that you get, say, in New England, for example. Uh so it doesn't surprise me that that broke down. One, one anecdote that James Jones did add, which I thought was interesting, is that there were many situations where they were installing new plays in practice and trying to get a step ahead, step ahead of the opposing defenses, and then they wouldn't run those in games. So it felt like they were wasting time in practice installing plays and then not running them in games they weren't comfortable with it. And that can be a frustrating dynamic, but to say it's a missed dynasty may be true, but I never thought it was because the offense wasn't good enough. Right. There should have been better running games. Yes. But the defense, particularly the defensive backfield for the last five years has been a major issue. Their shortcomings have been defensively last year. It all sort of came crashing down where Rodgers wasn't having a good year and the offense wasn't as good as it should have been. So, yeah, maybe it's a missed dynasty, but it goes as much to them being so dedicated to not signing free agents than anything else. Like, assuming that you have the magic to draft and acquire and develop players without occasionally going on, going out and adding a piece in free agency sort of absurd and they've obviously turned the page on that they've signed a few free agents this year they've let a couple walk and uh moving on but it isn't the first time we've heard about like a a player coach relationship being really toxic towards the end right and i think that that's a, a great jumping off point around the general discussion in if they're winning this story isn't written it's just not if if this team is winning another Super Bowl or they're winning this past year. We don't hear about this. And I think that goes to show that the major source of this article is Aaron Rodgers himself. Yeah. Is is Rodgers sort of submarining his former head coach um, and, and getting the last laugh of sorts uh, to have that upper hand in the relationship. You make the point about Rodgers. We've seen it enough uh, outside of football. We've seen it on the football field uh, that he doesn't seem to be the easiest guy to work with. There, as your point, there have been follow-ups with other teammates who have said, no, "Sorry, I, I don't, I didn't see this. This didn't happen. This isn't how things went down." And it just feels like not a hit piece because I think it's a very well-written article, and I think there's lots of stories here that probably happened or probably are at least you know within the realm of of the truth. But it does feel like a very one-sided story. Now, Mike McCarthy has been seen, I think, by many NFL fans as slow in his approach to coaching just seems disinterested at times on the sidelines just doesn't seem to to really care what's happening now that could be true that could be just his personality i don't know but this sort of dynamic is how things can fall apart and the thing i thought most interesting about it was and why it points aaron Rodgers for me is the piece about Rodgers having a chip on his shoulder that mccarthy passed over him for alex smith and all of this going back to draft day Going back to that draft and going back to in at Rogers' head, he was disrespected. He was put down by McCarthy, and thus he spent the rest of his time in Green Bay trying to prove he was the smarter person, the better football person, smarter than the head coach, better than the head coach. And that's a dynamic that's going to be hard to overcome, Mike. Do you see this, though, as a quarterback-head-coach relationship, a franchise problem? Like, where do you see this all breaking down for other teams to try to understand if Mike McCarthy makes for a good head coach in the future 
Aaron Rodgers? Does he rebound this year on the offense? How do you break down what it means beyond just their relationship? Well, I think 12 years. The first thing I'd say is I think 12 years is a really long time Yep. to be together. Belichick and Brady, it's pretty unique. You know, Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger are together that long now. Eli's had to deal with several coaches. Phil Rivers has had to deal with several coaches. I think it speaks to the fact that, you know, 12 years is a long time to be together. It's a long time to be in one of those jobs. And you shouldn't necessarily hang on to it because you're tenured, right? You're not a college professor. Results matter every year. I think you get a couple of bad years. Mike Tomlin's getting a bad year out of the way. Things are falling apart, but he's still got the job. I think this is a really important year for Mike Tomlin. And as a guy who's been a Steelers fan his whole life, and they've only had three coaches in my lifetime, I'm telling you, I think this is a year where they could make a change if it doesn't go well. And they are they are slow to do that kind of stuff. Yep. So I say all this to set up the fact that, look, I, I get that things can break down. Like when, when things aren't going well and you've been there together in the same building for 12 years and you're not happy with the way things are going, it's obvious who they're going to pick or who they have to pick. Um, McCarthy's really upset with the way things ended. It's understandable. I didn't expect them to fire them him mid season, but maybe Aaron Rodgers went in and threw his hands up and said, I'm done. Like, that's it. I've given him enough chances and they're going to pick the player over the coach every time, you know, Joe Girardi did a great, did a really good job in New York. They only won one world series, but he did a really good job. And there was no reason for him to be not for him not to be renewed in New York, except that coaching as a man, as a, the being the New York Yankees manager for 10 years is a really long time. Right. And I think it's okay to move on. Uh, even when you've had moderate to decent success, you know, that I, I think you set it up well by saying like, is it, is it a missed dynasty? Like everybody talks about this guy being the most talented guy in the league. And yet, we went to a Super Bowl nine years ago. We haven't done anything since. Yep. They blew the game in Seattle. Would they have won that Super Bowl? Who knows? It is a story to track. Uh, Rogers, obviously, a great fantasy talent, and it's going to be one of the first, if not the first, quarterback taken in fantasy drafts come spring uh, after the. Not draft. by me. <laughs> That's you gotta wait. Uh, oh, agreed. Totally. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Demarcus Lawrence. So the Cowboys uh, signed Lawrence to a gigantic contract uh, to keep him as a Dallas Cowboy. We've seen some pretty high contracts go to end rushers. This is a contract that nets him twenty point five million in guaranteed money, sixty five million. Sorry, twenty point five uh, guaranteed off the new contract, sixty five million, million guaranteed overall. One hundred five million is the total contract. His AAV is lower than Khalil Mack, uh, but he's the highest, and I love this differentiation, in a 4-3 defense. He's the highest edge rusher in a, in a 4-3. But um, you, we were talking about this before uh, the show, maybe during one of the breaks. Of This is just something that Cowboys had to do, right? I mean, this is just at a point where they just needed to, to bring him back to have some sort of semblance of a defensive rush. That's right. They lost Randy Gregory to an indefinite suspension, although they extended him. Uh, so they hold his rights for another year. I think there's an assumption that he can come back from this indefinite suspension, but he probably won't be playing in 2019 season. David Irving retired in glorious weed smoking fashion. Yep. Um, smoke. They signed, yeah, they, they traded for Robert Quinn to get some depth, but if he wasn't there, it would be an overwhelming position of need. They do need to have him there. He's got 25 sacks in the last two seasons. That's fourth in the NFL. He's a really good player. Maybe some people are shocked by the, the the dollar amount, but I think they were between a rock and a hard place. I think maybe even if they're overpaying a little bit, they feel like they're addressing this position of need and they can move on. He has been productive, so even if you're not overwhelmed by DeMarcus Lawrence's talent in relation to Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald and or even guys like D. Ford or Trey Flowers, I get it, but he's still a valuable enough player and is extremely important for them. Um, 
what's coming down the pike for them is an even bigger decision as to what to do with Dak Prescott. Absolutely. And that's going to be, and what to do with their head coach. I'm not really sure how, how Garrett has stayed on there, but uh, and yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, this is uh, probably a big season for the Cowboys. You assume Garrett's gone if they don't make a run, uh, or at least you would guess, you, you would hope, uh, but uh, he's had some staying power. I, I think Jerry I likes want... this dynamic, though. I think Jerry just likes that dynamic. He's oh, I think he likes running thing. the franchise from the front office. I think he likes yeah. the idea of, of being able to, to do what he wants and, and have a lot of influence over the field, and he knows he gets that with Garrett. Bringing a new coach would upset that. I, I, I had to bring up... A uh, story I saw, I think it was yesterday. Now, we all know that the Baltimore Ravens are going to run the football this year, right? Like, they bring in Mark Ingram. They have Gus Edwards still. Um, they still yeah. have a couple other running backs in the backfield. But are they They brought Eddie Lacy in for a workout. Now, I don't know the last time the wing tee was run in the NFL. I don't know if the triple option is going to come back, but... They're talking about adding at least one, maybe Lacey, or a running back during the draft, or two running backs to their already crowded backfield. Is this just them trying to amass bodies because they know they're going to break down, or is this just the Ravens going off the rails completely with how they're building their roster? I think they're just trying to add bodies. They know they're probably going to lead the league in rushing attempts this year, hopefully not from the quarterback position. So I think they can bring guys in to just sort of help them establish that run with the other with with the other names you just mentioned so uh what's interesting is in listening to the draft Knicks and and listening to guys like uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay and Bucky Brooks there's a sense from what they've heard in the league that don't be surprised if the Ravens draft a quarterback, not in the first round, right. but as somebody, as a plan B from the Lamar Jackson, Robert Griffin duo. Like if, if it starts to look like, you know, Lamar's not really developing he's had an entire two off seasons and a season and a half a season worth of playing, then forward to another half a season worth of playing. And he's just not developing and throwing the ball then they may want somebody else there in the mid-rounds to at least help them to bridge. Or maybe they get lucky in developing somebody like, you know, maybe they get the next Russ Wilson or, or Dak Prescott or, or whomever. So something to consider that they may, if they draft a quarterback, don't be surprised. It may be a day two or a day three draft pick, but. Yep. Well, I mean, there is help on the way for the wide receiving core in Baltimore. The Ravens have signed Seth Roberts to a one-year contract. He uh, is uh, pending a physical. I think that happened last night, so should be a done deal for Seth Roberts. He was cut by the Oakland Raiders, who had just signed Ryan Grant. So Roberts moves in to Baltimore with a really strong chance to be a starter here. Uh, it's pretty much Willie Sneed and Chris Moore uh, as your wideouts, and then you add Roberts. And to your point, they're not going to throw the ball a lot here. They're going to run it a lot, but all of a sudden, Seth Roberts leaves Oakland, lands in a place where he may get the same amount of targets that he would have in Oakland, but uh, Seth Roberts now yeah. signed there. Mentioned the Demarcus Lawrence news, uh, and uh, obviously the Eddie Lacy story, pretty funny. Reports are out that the Giants not in love with Josh Rosen, but uh, we will keep an eye on that and see exactly what is speculation, what is actual news, and what, of course, is going to happen before the NFL draft. Plenty still to get to. Here on the Fantasy Sports Today, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Coming up in our next hour, we're going to turn our attention to Major League Baseball. We'll talk to George Kurtz across the hour about some baseball moves, free agency, and get his take on the news of the day after this. Going to step aside for a break. Thanks so much for listening. Fantasy Sports Today right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. 